listening to Colin Bradley Artcast with Colin Bradley and Stephen Bradley. Hello and welcome to Colin Bradley Artcast. I'm Stephen Bradley. And I'm Colin Bradley. Hi, Dad. Hello, Steve. How are you doing? Well, my voice is a little better today, as you probably appreciate. Didn't stop you last week. You rambled on for an hour. (laughs) (laughs) It didn't, did it? No. It was fine. And I I loved that podcast last week. We had a lot of of people saying how much they enjoyed that. Oh, good, good. Uh, Well, it's nice, isn't it, to... uh, It's nice for me, really, to reflect back on some of the things I did, because obviously the thoughts pop into your head as well. Mm. That, that wouldn't do unless you're talking about them. So it is, it is good to reminisce. Yeah, and we're gonna we're gonna um, continue a bit of the discussion on a few points left over from last week. So we'll talk about that in a okay. minute. But what are you working on at the moment? Oh right, well I finished all the starter packs. You'd be happy to know. Hooray! Yeah, they're, all, they're all in the bag now. I don't have to think about them anymore. Uh, but I've decided to do another watercolor. And, but I thought I'd do something different this time. Um, I've only done one snow scene, which was uh, the skiing scene uh, in watercolour, at least for the members. Uh, so I thought about time I did a, a snow scene uh, for, um, you know, with buildings in and, and trees and people and all sorts, you know. Add a little. So I've re-resurrected one of my early ones now i did a, a series of watercolors snow scenes for christmas cards years ago in fact 1985 steve so that was a long time ago yeah it was before really um the pastel pencil came into existence and i'm resurrecting one of those pictures which was amazingly successful it was it was done as a crisp for a company uh, who wanted a series of cards, and they put it out. So it was um, a Christmas card that you used to sell? Yeah. It was, um, I'm just trying to think of the company. I think it was Noel Tat was the company that asked me to do it. Anyway, it went out, and uh, it was very successful. So I thought I'd resurrect that, because uh, people have, that I've shown it to have seen it and thought, well, that's really nice. But it's an updated version of that. It's the same scene, but I'm making s- subtle changes to it. So it's not going to be quite the same. But I'm about halfway through now, and it's looking good. I'm sure everyone's so, going to find it interesting seeing you doing snow with watercolour. Exactly, yes. Well, you know, I've, I've sold, this is a record really, I've sold every single snow scene watercolor i've ever did oh really the originals yeah yeah the originals yeah i used to sell as original pictures yeah every single one uh i sold and i must have sold a couple of dozen you know in my time those and sunsets every sunset i ever produced as a watercolor i sold that too so they are very very popular scenes whether they are scenes that are a bit unusual you know because your normal watercolor it is doesn't take that take that kind of subject into account uh, so um, so anyway it, it's going to be popular so i'm i'm halfway through the first one okay. and i'm going to do a few of them 
Well, when I was down yesterday, I uh, I was I went into your studio to put some paper on one of your shelves and looked down and saw because you weren't in. I saw down what you were working, so I sneaked. Oh, you had a sneak preview, did you? I, had a, I <laughs> took a sneaky picture with my phone. Oh, did you? I didn't know that. Oh, <laughs> well, you can, you so I might put, put that that, might put that on Instagram for everyone to see. Yes, because there's not much. Um, I, I did the, just a church and a few little buildings there. Um, so there wasn't much done. Um, work, little work in progress picture it, it for, is, for yes. everyone. Oh, yeah. oh well, that'd be nice. Yes, yes, put that out. I don't mind them seeing that. <laughs> Lovely. Excellent. So uh, let's t- touch on a few things that we were talking about last week because there was a few things that uh, we could expand on. And if anyone's checked the blog recently... I only did it today, and today is Thursday. But I put the I put Ron's picture up that you said your friend oh, did. Oh, did you? Yeah. Ah. So it's on the blog. If you go to our website, go to the blog, um, the the podcast um, post, the one that says the Bradley Gallery podcast number two hundred and twenty six. If you click on that, not only can you listen to the podcast, but you'll also see the picture that ah. Dad's friend did in that first ever six week course. Girl, the beginning of it that really was. Uh, a milestone that one and that oh. was that was the beginning of everything now we didn't say you told me this after and i was like you've got to tell this on the on the podcast why was it six weeks ah uh, <laughs> well i did did mention on the podcast that um we were having you do you yeah. remember i said we were having you what i didn't tell them was that six week was right up to the date you were due so I had to cut it short to six weeks. Yeah. I didn't realize that at the time. It's only when I thought back on it, I thought, that's the reason. I said, we can only do six weeks, everybody. Yeah. And, and, when, <laughs> and when it finished, you came. I'm very glad to say, and so is everybody out there in podcast land and Colin Bradley art land. And then we had to give a recovery period. <laughs> for me and your mum yeah and then we started i think it was about a month after um you were born that we i decided to start it again start it but again. that was the reason six weeks led up to april the 22nd which is your birthday <laughs> <laughs> yeah so so it would have been march and april i think i think i probably started at the beginning of march yeah but it was right up to the I might, I might have, because babies can come at funny times. They don't always come on the time. So I think I've probably uh, had a few days to spare. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> I that, thought that was really funny, that. that was, yes, uh, it was. Reasoning behind that. <laughs> um, but when you did um, teach, I mean, I, I loved, I, and I told a couple of friends today about the pod. Like I, I briefly nutshelled our podcast last week to my friends, and they were absolutely fascinated of how the process that you went from gallery to selling your work to teaching to you know mm. to who you are today, and that it's it is mm. really an interesting journey that you went on. But mm. especially the first that first six weeks course where you were just winging it and just learning and <laughs> and learning how to teach, and then going from that once you know you did did go back to it to do some more classes yes Um, that's right you had to very much develop your own way and style of teaching i had no no one to guide me steve you know 
I mean, as far as the educational system is concerned, art schools and so on, and art lessons at evening classes, they didn't do anything like this. They, they used to have similar, I mean, I thought of putting the still life in the middle of the room. Well, what they do in art classes, they have you look at uh, either still life or, or a model comes in life drawing or something like that. Um, so they have a completely different um, setup, and they people bring their own materials along. So you could have virtually anything, and all the art, all the art teacher does is walk along and say, mm, "Yes, a little bit more here, a little bit more." Very few of the art teachers, as far as I know, go around and actually touch the work and say, "Now, can I show you?" In fact, I remember um, a few people who I met said out there they never saw any of their art teachers work at all really no they they, they the art teacher would you come round and i mean i'm not saying they weren't qualified they'd come around and they'd tell them you know you're doing this wrong or you haven't got the, that proportion right or the perspectives out or this sort of thing but i i didn't like any of that i thought well that's not very productive is it so i had to invent and wing it, really, um, as I went along. And halfway through that six weeks, I remember thinking to myself, what have I let myself in for? Mm. Because it it was very, very difficult to do. It must have been quite a challenge because you have to strike that balance. If you're going to say to someone, let me show you a little bit here, of, of the balance of being able to show them enough that they can then do it themselves. That's exactly right. Yes, how much do you do? Yeah. And um, for the first, um, well, those first six weeks were were set because it, we had a set item. But when we started after that, and I told people to bring their work in, I, I didn't know what they were going to bring in. We had all sorts of things coming. That's true, yeah. Portraits and dogs and cats and tigers and, <laughs> and uh, seascapes and planes and boats and also anything. God. You threw yourself anything in the deep end, in. didn't you, there? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and so when I think back now, gosh, that was a very brave thing for me to do. Yeah. I'll bring your pictures in, you know, and then I'll help do them. Now, I had to be good at everything, didn't I? Yeah. You think about it. <laughs> well, I didn't have to be good at it. I had to be a little better than them at it. Yes. <laughs> Able to instruct them and, and know mm. your stuff well enough to... Yes. But I had, I'd had a bit of, I'd had quite a bit of experience by then, uh, you know, only in watercolour and, and pastel, in fairness. Mm. Um, so I'd had something like, I don't know, five years possibly from beginning so i'd had a bit of experience so i I knew what i was i knew what i was talking about yeah well you've done a lot in those if you Hmm? if you condense those the amount of pictures you've done in those five years six years like you've you'd crammed a lot in every day you know you were you were doing something so yes um, that yes, really does amount to quite a lot, you know. Um, yes, it does. And it, and it is interesting, like we see um, some of our students that that are really practicing a lot, and the the progression is so quick in in a short space of time because of the amount they're doing. That's right. 
It oh, is, absolutely. You know, is interesting. You know, is like you always said to me, you know, and everyone else here, the more you do, the better yes. you get. If you've got a if you've got a if you've got a passion for it and you really enjoy what you're doing, then you will progress. There's no question about that. And uh, uh, and I and I still am, even now, um, after thirty odd years, I'm still progressing, and I'll always continue to want to do that. It's so important that uh, I want to I want to see what's going to happen, mm. and very often. As in with this pictures, you know, I, I, that I'm doing now, I'm kind of winging it a little bit. And people see that process. And it's really interesting to say, I wonder what would happen if I do that. I wonder how. And I never really know, but I I get away with it. Well, because, you have enough uh, confidence in your ability. Um, yes. So, so it takes away that sort of fear because you know that you've got the experience really and there's yes but there's still you're still testing and challenging yourself you know oh at the same time and and as i said i would continue just just out of interest today i was you know i'm doing this um, old postcard a christmas card picture that i did originally and there's a fence that runs um along a way it, the perspective it goes up along alongside a street okay this fence wooden stakes and i got halfway along it and i don't know what made me think of doing it i thought do you know i'm, I'm going to have this uh, falling down in place you know i'm going to have it collapsing so i had this fence and i collapsed it and then <laughs> carried on and it looks really good you know and this is the sort of thing it just brings to mind i think you know, this is a bit boring you know, stroke, 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 mm, stroke, stroke, then at an angle. Yeah. So it looks it looks as though it's collapsing but in, what, in the centre of it. What's nice about people watching this is they see the spontaneity that you create and therefore they know that they can do the same. Yes, exactly. Yes, why not? You know, it, it, have fun. And I've said many times, uh, well, many, many, many times, have fun, because that's what it's all about, to enjoy yourself. That's And as long as you're enjoying yourself doing it, these things will happen, because you're open to them. Yes. Yeah. And it, it's, it's so, oh, I mean, I can't tell you how exciting it is, because it is. Mm. So when you um, were teaching this class and then eventually after a little bit of time, you started doing workshops, like after a little bit of time of doing classes? I did. And again, um, the workshop idea, generally speaking, when I went to Flatford Mill, there were usually about uh, five or six different people doing different classes. Because when we, we all met up in the dining room, so you knew how many art teachers there were there and usually about five or five i i i i I don't think there was many more than five because they can't hold the they haven't got the rooms and they all had their own room we had our own room and uh, but everybody talked differently that no one talked the way i did because what i i i used to think if i could if i can set people up when they when they come in and I put them in the position where they haven't got to, they haven't got to worry about the drawing side. All they're learning is how to use the pastel pencil. 
That's really, and I used to advertise that, you know, how to use the pastel pencil and uh, produce good work. So I used to have the pencils ready for them. I used to supply them. I was going to say, yeah, you used to take, I remember, because I remember you packing everything up and taking, and you'd have elastic bands um, around the pencils that every person would need. And you had like bundles of these pencils wrapped up, you know, ready, you know, this is for this person, this is for this person. And you'd have them all um, separated. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. But it was, it was, it was easy. They just, they just turned up, sat down and I used to put the image on the, um, on the, the, the board. I used to get a, uh, hard board yeah and put the uh on gray paper which i used with the image on it yeah so they didn't have to even think about drawing but i used to um i used to go through the process of square drawing i used to this is how i produce this image oh did you in the to, workshop you used to talk about oh yeah well I, yes I, I oh yes to new workshop people i mean a flat for mill um, towards the end of my time at Flatford Mill, they were all repeat customers. Yeah. Because as soon as Flatford Mill released Colin Bradley is doing this, they all booked straight in. Yeah. Didn't get, they didn't get a chance for many new people to come along because <laughs> they, they used to they used to say, you know, it used to fill before it almost before it was released. Yeah. So by then everybody knew how to, the way I worked, so I didn't have to worry. But anybody knew, yes, if I did a, a new class with new people, I used to explain how I got the image and demonstrate it. I used to demonstrate the square drawing as well. Was that, was that nerve-wracking so, to to have everyone looking at you, uh, looking to you in a workshop environment of 10 or ever so many people? Um, no, I would say it wasn't. No, no, I, I, I can't say I ever, ever got. No, I still don't. You know, even when I started videoing, I, I, I'm just relaxed straight away. I suppose it comes down to confidence, mm. and I had a lot of experience, as you know, um, when we were talking last week. Before I even started demonstrating, this wants to be like I used to demonstrate in my studio. People used to come in. Yeah. Uh, and look over my shoulder, and I used to explain what was going on. I never really ha- suffered. I suppose the only time I suffered for it, when I went on my first major demonstration in London, the one I was talking about last week, Yeah, um, I did. But that was only really for the first hour or so. After I got used to people, um talking to me and they were very very um, complimentary about what i was doing but they wanted to know how i was doing it yeah and i and i bothered to explain it to them yeah a lot of artists i know um, and probably still do people just paint and the um the public walk by look at what they're doing and the artist is not approachable yeah they wanted to, I'm doing my work of art. You can look all you like, but don't bother me or ask me questions. That's the kind of inference you get from them, mm. which is silly because that's the whole idea of it is that people come along, want to ask the questions. But I always invited that. I remember. I remember if someone was looking, you would always engage people if they were, if they were stood for some time. 
That's right. I, I suppose that, in a way, that comes down to your sales experience. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, well, being a salesman, right. of engaging the customer. You know, it, it's mm-hmm. it's that mm-hmm. technique. But you're not directly selling. You're just merely uh, trained in engaging with people and making them feel comfortable. That's right. Exactly. Yes. But I enjoy that. You see. Yeah. That, I got that. That's where I used to look forward to the shows. Um, in the art material show particularly and the London shows uh, because they used to lull a lot of people and uh, used to get a big crowd around you. Sometimes you knew that there was a big crowd because it went hush. It was a big hush because the people were, <laughs> you know, and it went a bit dark because they were looking over, over your shoulder. <laughs> um, so you knew that, um, but I loved all that. Sometimes I didn't know how many people were listening to me. Yeah, and I was chatting away. I I just enjoyed that interaction. Mm. Mm. That's lovely. Well, there was another there was another point that um, we didn't touch upon, but you you reminded me. You sent me an email and said there was there was one thing that we didn't go back to, which was when you said about the the Swanster Bilo rep Linda that showed uh, Linda, showed a special yes. interest in your work. And you said you'd come back to it. So what was the thing you were going to say about that? Oh, well, she, she was – you remember I said to to you that Linda was the one that was really raving about it. And there was this dog. It was a dog. It had, I seem to remember it was a collie. Uh, you know – um, oh, anyway, a border collie. Uh, was it a border collie? What's a sheep dog? Gosh, I should, I should know, shouldn't police. I? Yeah. Anyway, this love—it was a lovely dog, um, and I, uh, in fairness, I did pick um, a few really good ones to take with me. I, I mean, I'm not silly. <laughs> I, I knew that uh, I had to do a sales pitch, didn't I? <laughs> and um, I used to take, and I took these pictures, several pictures, and one of them was this lovely picture of the dog. Um, f- full background and everything. And Linda fell in love with it. Anyway, when we were going away, when we when I was saying goodbye, she was still had her eye on it, and I said, would you like that? And she was absolutely over the moon. She couldn't believe it. Wow. And she came back to me later on. Oh, I think it must have been the, the following year, because... Uh, when I went up there, anyway, she she said again how much she's had it framed and it was on her wall and she was absolutely thrilled to bits with it. Oh, how lovely! Yeah. How lovely! Well, that's how to uh, how to make an impression, isn't it? With, uh, that, that's people. right. Yes. Well, I, I've got to say that my salesman uh, training came in to its own many, many, many times. And still does to a certain extent, because even my my phrase phraseology in the videos are still I still I think before I I speak. Hmm. I know you well, think well you have to think before you speak. Not necessarily. Sometimes I say some words and then I frame the next phrase before I actually say it. Yeah. It's well, it's, uh, it, it's a technique that I had when I was a salesman. Used to think, now if I say this, is he going to then buy uh, more expensive? One of the things, the tricks we had, 
call them tricks. When we, um, when I was selling, um, I used to sell uh, made to measure. They called made to measure bespoke, you know, um, suits. They hey, were very, very suits. popular. Tailored suits, yes. Yeah. Very, very popular. And I, my particular job in this outfitters was to present the customers with the material to make up their suits. Okay. And then once they'd made them up, then I'd measure them for their suits. And uh, thousands and thousands and thousands of people I've measured up for suits in the early days. Anyway, one of the tricks we had was we'd always bring the more expensive things out. You know, <laughs> you'd never, you'd never, you'd, how, how now, sir, um, they, you'd ask them how much they would like to pay. Now, we're talking about 1950, late 50s. So we're talking about old money, really. And you say, how much would you like to pay, sir? Oh, well, uh, um, well, I don't know, about about 15 pounds. You know? Oh, okay. So it started at that figure then. Fifteen pound went up to twenty-two pounds, oh. twenty-five pounds. <laughs> <laughs> so you'd bring out a fifty or more expensive oh, than fifteen uh, pound suit. Oh yes, and yeah. work your now, way these down. Are the fifteen. There's these are the fifteen pound selections. So, but we do have, which I think you're going to be interested in, this one, and then this one, <laughs> and then this one, <laughs> and they very very few people ended up paying fifteen pound. They were usually the twenty odd pounds. So it. it it was it's a it, it's a sales technique that you have it's psychology really yeah well this we should translate this to because you're not it's not like you're bringing in karen dash and going well would you like these karen dash pencils <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we're, no, no. we're lucky in that the way that translates to no. your work is that you've always been sold on on selling always been good at selling the pencils but in a way of selling how good they are and what they can do for other people mm. um mm. and i remember when you said that you were just touching upon the thing that you said about being nervous about and mum we talked about this like oh, probably years ago on the podcast where mum had um said well put the emphasis not on you but on the pencil on the pencil that's right sell the pencil sell the that's pencil right. and she said that's you're right. a salesman and and that's really the thing that also gives you that added edge of confidence because you know that you can present and mm. you know that you can you can you can draw and paint so it's a lovely combination of being able to demonstrate a good That's product right. and the other the other thing is uh, coming back to that um, people paying 20 odd pounds if they pay a little bit more money they're going to get a better quality aren't they see that that the, there's a that was how i justified it yeah. Instead of paying fifteen pound, if you I mean I'm talking about fifteen pound, I think it was less than that in those days. You could get a suit made to measure for ten in those days. Yeah. It seems silly now, but um, you know, in those days it was um, it was it was inexpensive. I'm gonna I'm gonna put um I'm gonna put what it's worth today. Uh ten what was a pound worth? Let's have a look. Um, okay, well, ten dollars is worth about one hundred and six dollars now. Oh, so oh you're my. looking at about a hundred odd quid if it, if you were just to I don't know if that yes. would be a rough 
a no, rough conversion. Um, but that's uh, that's interesting, isn't it? That you're probably looking at about the same time. Oh wait, nineteen. 19- yes. 1950, let's say it was about 19, let's say take 1960, make it easier. Yes, about 100, eight, yes, one pound is about 120 pounds, it's saying here, about 120 pounds, which is actually right. You can get, you can, I mean, you could get, I mean, tailored suits. I mean, you're, I took, there's a vast spectrum of price you could pay for a tailored suit mm-hmm. nowadays, thousands if you wanted. Oh yes, thousands, but the thing is, though, that in those days, um, the the main manufacturers were geared up for it. Then they had factories and they had production lines. When you'd say it was made to measure, it was still all production lines. They still they'd make the suit up, but it would would all in a on a production line. It was geared up for that. Today, it wouldn't be the same. It would be a made-to-measure suit today would be probably hand-cut by an individual tailor, I would think. They wouldn't have the setup that we had in those days. But, uh, you know, it was was interesting, though. But I say, coming back to the salesmanship, it's held me in really good stead all my life. And so I'm I'm very grateful for those uh, early days. Yeah. And because they do help. And selling is, is something that, as long as you're selling... If you're selling a product to somebody and you know that they're going to be better off by buying that product, then you haven't done them any disservice. Yeah. You know, it's, it's when people sell things to people that they don't want or don't need. That's That gets up my nose, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but uh, I... No, there was uh, there was a lot of integrity, even though it was there was a few little tricks we had up our sleeve. Yeah, yeah, that's lovely. That's great. Um, okay, so before we go, I want to touch upon an email that came in from Marcia. So going to back to sort of present day now, away from the nineteen fifties, um, mm-hmm. we're talking about um, pastel mat and ongre in Marcia's email. She is relatively new to the website and is working through all the podcasts. So um, we have actually replied to Marcy. We don't expect you to wait to get to 227 to <laughs> to listen to your answer. Um, but Marcy is doing a project which is a red dashend or doctioned, however you want to say it. And dashend, dashend, mm-hmm. um, originally using the on grey paper, but now using pastel mat and basically asking what would be the differences if they were to use the light on grey or the dark grey pastel mat. Mm. Um, mm. There's a various colours here listed. Marcy's has said uh, a warm grey as a base, 176283 um, has, has been suggested. But would the base colours be different uh, or the uh, same? No, the short answer to that is no, it wouldn't. You'd still have the same ones. The only the difference would be your... your your undercolour, your if you're using light on grey or the sand on grey, and you're using dark grey, you've got a different base to work on. For instance, the dark grey would have to have more light put onto it. You yeah. see what I mean? As opposed to the on grey, where you wouldn't have to put quite so much light on. You still have to put it on because you need it as a base, yeah. as a base colour for the stronger colours going in. Well, you. you 
the same thing applies to the uh, the the dark any of the dark colors. However, that dark color will already have um, be a dark tone. Yeah. So you've got to then put more light colors into it. That's what I found. Same colors, but you'd have to put more of them on. No, I w- you wouldn't need to change the colors, though. The colors would still be the same. You'd have to be, really, because if you think about it, if you're, if you're doing, um, say, you're doing a, dog, a dog's fur, for instance, and you've got those build-up colors that you have on on gray. Now, if you missed some of those out when you were doing the dark colors, you wouldn't get the same effect. The dark colors wouldn't have the same effects. It would, it would, they would change. So you've still got to have the same colors. Yeah. You just need to have the, be mindful that you've got to make them a little bit lighter. Actually, a very good example of that really is, uh, is the, um, the, the picture that I did of the spaniel recently. Yeah. yeah that went on recently. Now, was that, on, or was that, that was, was that dark, dark color? It was, was it dark gray, Steve? Yeah. Do you know, I can't sure remember. I do so many and I can't remember whether, what I did. I, I certainly, when I did the um, ladies, the three ladies, um, I can't even remember the name of the artist. Oh, yeah, that's it. Richanini, yeah. I, now, I did that on dark gray. Now, I did that one quite quickly. I'd only had a very limited experience with the dark gray at that time, but I felt it was going to work. And I remember when I put that on, I used to have to put much more light color onto it. Whereas if I, if I had been using the on gray, I wouldn't have had to. Mm. So that gives you an idea. I do the same colors, but they, 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 you, you need to make sure. This is why I think when people are starting out, it's not a really a good idea to start with pastel map because you've really got to uh, know what you're doing. Yeah. Start with Ongre and then work into pastel mat. But once you know what you're doing, then pastel mat can, as we know, bring phenomenal results. Yeah. Yeah, it takes so, a little bit more effort, but the payoff is you, worth, it, worth it. Yes, 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 that's right, yes. You can't afford to have the dark paper showing through on a, on a light subject. You can't, you can't, it just won't work. So, in other words, you've got to cover the paper. Whereas with Ongre, you can get away with it to a certain extent. Yeah. That because the sand colour shining coming through would um, wouldn't be that uh, serious, but it yeah. would be if you're using dark grey or dark blue or dark green. Yeah. You couldn't have that. Lovely. That helps. Okay. Yeah, I think that that does help. That certainly teaches me a little bit about the differences. I think other people will find that interesting as well. Okay. Lovely. Excellent. All right. Well, thanks, Dad, for giving us another little uh, bit of his piece of your history. Oh, I've got I've got lots more. If you ever want them, I know everyone <laughs> listening will be nodding their head with loads, with me and going yes, more. yes, lots more. Lovely. Excellent. <laughs> Right, ask, ask me one day. You must ask me about um, the the manager that I had in, in when I lived in Burton's Montague Burton Taylors. Okay. When I was worked in 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 that one day, ask me about that. Well, the, the, how the manager's attitude and how I got over it. 
Well, there's a teaser. There's a teaser for next week. (laughs) Yeah, lovely, excellent. I've written that down on my notes, so we'll we'll talk about that. Everyone, tune in next week for that. Lovely, excellent. Thanks, Dad. Okay, no problem. I look forward to seeing everybody again next week. Excellent, and thanks everyone for listening. I'm Stephen Bradley, and I'm Colin Bradley. Enjoy Enjoy your week. week.